0: Everyone, just before you start the episode, we want to give you a trigger warning that we will be discussing trauma, sexual assault, drugs, and addiction. And with that, on to the show.
1: Are you
2: Christina Kozlovsky. And I'm Becky Griggs. We are two millennial pals living at opposite ends of the earth and here to discuss all the things that keep you up late at night. Each week, one of us will reveal the topic and then discuss our initial impressions. After that, the host with the most, or you know, the one covering this week's topic, will lead us into a triple D deep dive discussion. And then we'll snuggle up with segments at the end of the episode. Cute. Wow. Hello. Hi Becky. How are you? I'm fantastic. Hi, Christina. Oh. <coughs> what That's how she's start. doing. <laughs> That's how I'm doing. Hello, Christina. How are you?
0: I'm uh I'm good. I have a confession to make. Yes. A couple times I have told you uh before we started recording that I had to go pee. Um I did indeed have to urinate, but I also snuck off to eat some
2: uh Apple cranberry crisp that I made last night. Oh my god. <laughs> well when I told you I had to go get water, I also went and got my toast and like made toast. So <laughs> oh, you made toast? Did you eat your toast yet? I, I, I ate my toast, yes.
1: In oh this whole god. process. Oh my god. I was eating god. toast.
2: hmm You are a woman of mystery. I am. Hey, international was? woman of mystery. <laughs> She's the toast with the most. I am the toast with the mice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
0: We've had a time setting up the podcast today, have we not? We had not? some fun oh, boy.
2: technical times today. That's yep. for sure. Yep, it's a blast. Um, We're just dreaming it about one day
0: having like an actual studio to go to. That would be cool.
2: Oh, my gosh. Imagine having an actual studio. Mm. We might have mm. to get some revenue for that. You know what we should do? We should design some merch. We should de- Hello, sh- everyone. Buy our merch when it comes out. Yes. Yes. We will design it.
0: We'll make it, we'll make it cute. We'll make it classy, trendy, mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. for the whole
1: family.
2: Oh, my gosh. The whole family. Every single one. Grandma, your uncle. Your
1: cat. Th- your that's dog, it. That's your, your- whole family.
2: <laughs> oh. Your bunny. <laughs> your
0: hamster. <laughs> oh, yeah. All your pets. All your pets we mm-hmm. do not discriminate
1: no.
2: <laughs> all animals
0: i would oh um, man if we could make costumes for mice i mean the, oh my the, goodness
2: i mean uh, we could just kind of cut open a sock right like a small sock well, that would be too big for the mouse anyway <laughs> speaking of mice outfits um yeah and things that have nothing to do with that what's our topic today our uh, Arts. Well, we have a very special guest today, Peggy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We um,
0: have a guest. Her, her name is Dana Grant. I can't wait to have her on. Um, I used to oh work goodness. with Dana. Um, and she's going to talk to us about being
2: Indigenous in Canada. Oh, my goodness. Ah. This is very, very exciting. I'm so excited to meet Dana. Um and, like, have a guest to talk about something that is just very relevant. I'm really
0: excited, too, because, honestly, like, I haven't seen her in over a year. But the wow. last time I saw her, she was saving my butt. <laughs> out, oh, my out, gosh. What happened to your Oh, well, uh, <laughs> this was when I was working night shifts. And um, I got, I used to get single staffed, like, all the time and was so frazzled. And I was just texting her and I was like, ugh. It's just me alone again. Oh my God. She came at like midnight to work with me till (gasps) 8am. Oh my gosh. She's a, she's an actual angel. (laughs) She's She's a living legend. Dana, we love you already. I haven't even met you, but I'm already obsessed. She's yeah, dude, she's awesome. So I can't, Mm -hmm. can't wait to uh, chat to her in a sec. But Becky,
2: how do you feel? Happy, sad, scared, or angry? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know a lot about this topic because I'm not from Canada. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But also, like, possibly a bit angry because of the things that I do know with, like, just generally Indigenous people in most countries get treated like garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and say I got a bit of anger there. Mm Mm-hmm. But then also happy in the sense of like I have a lot of curiosity and I think there's some really wonderful things and like stuff to learn and stuff like that. So Yeah. Happy and angry. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, happgree. Um happgree. Ang Ang But yeah, I'm very excited. We're gonna have Dana in a moment. Yeah. Which is gonna be really cool um so should we just jump right on into a break so we can we can get started and get down on let's hippity hoppity into a break we'll see you in a sec hippity hoppity into a brickety brackety (laughs) brickety bracket
1: break
0: hi listeners it's still us christina and becky uh if you didn't know we're always down to learn about new movements organizations charities to support or petitions
2: in need of signatures do you know one worthy of a shout out Email us at areyouawakepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us why you want to see more support around a noble cause of your choice. And it could get featured on the podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. I am thirsty for social justice, baby. Yeah, we can't wait. And Becky's thirst must be quenched. But in
0: the meantime, back to the show, how?
2: hello hello we're back Words. hello we're back we're
0: <laughs> Words, hello. we're back we're back with hello. dana grant hey oh my gosh
2: and i'm becky with dana grant <laughs> yeah.
1: live with dana grant <laughs> <laughs> oh my
2: gosh oh, oh man
0: well um dana i figured to start us off um Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, not your exact address, because that would be really creepy, Um, (laughs) (laughs) where you're from?
1: (laughs) Accepting holiday cards at.
0: Yeah, (laughs) my P.O. box.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I live in Surrey, B.C. right now. Um, I'm currently a youth care counselor with an organization in Vancouver. Going to be starting another job as a clinical counselor in Surrey. Wow, for weekends and then hopefully finishing some credits in January for social work. Also, a counselor for my hometown, Kinemat of the Heisla Nation, and yeah. I feel like that sounded like so much, but that's fine.
0: I would say I would say you a lot. You wear many hats. Yes. <laughs> and maybe and maybe just for our listeners too, because uh, Becky's in Sydney, Australia, just to give them an idea of where Kidamat is.
1: Uh, Kidamat is located like I don't know I hate it when people because whenever I tell people that I'm from Kitimat nobody ever knows where that is (laughs) and they're like how did you get to Vancouver (laughs) because Kitimat is like like an 18-hour drive
0: from Vancouver Yeah.
1: yeah so it's like way past Prince George it's like eight more hours past Prince George
0: are you guys kind of closer to the coast as well
1: Oh, God, don't ask me map questions. Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, my
1: goodness.
0: You know what? You know what? If you guys are really curious, just look on a map. Just
1: look on a map. Yes. You know what? Google it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, like, when you Google it, there's the reserve in Kitamat. It's K I T A M M or M A A T. Mm -hmm. And then Kitimat Town is like 15 minutes away from the reserve. And that's (laughs) K-I-T-I-M-A-T. (laughs) Oh, that's confusing. (laughs) So confusing. But I feel like they changed Kitimat, the reserve, to Heisla, and that's like our nation.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. Do you want to talk about maybe like what it was like growing up? in Kitimat and talk about some of the biggest differences between Kitimat and Vancouver, (laughs) Surrey.
1: I feel like the biggest difference is like, it's like a small town and a small reservation. So like when I moved here, I didn't know anything about homelessness Mm -hmm. or addictions really like addictions was surrounding me, but I didn't know that it was addictions if that makes sense oh okay like I didn't like I feel like I grew up to maybe like it being a norm to for people to be like excessively drinking but then I come here and there's like people go to like treatment for that like it just like was crazy to me I don't know like just because I was like I didn't see that or homelessness I thought it was crazy like when I first moved here um I moved with my auntie Mm -hmm. and she works in the field as well she worked at a shelter when I moved here and I thought it was crazy that people were like people were panhandling I thought that was so crazy like nobody's giving them food like like I couldn't believe it because like we grew up in Kinemat where like everybody helps everybody like everybody's like we a community and I feel like one of the phrases that like I grew up learning was like it takes like a village to raise a family because like it wasn't just like my parents in my household like I grew up like at my grandparents place my auntie's place like I didn't just grow up living in with my parents if somebody was struggling in the family then you took care of that person so I guess I just thought it was crazy to me that people were on the streets, but like it's a much, much bigger aspect than that. Like you're in the city and I feel like you disconnect so much in the city. When you grow up in a small town, you want to go to school or like college in a bigger city. And the bigger city like that I always grew up thinking about was Vancouver. And like you disconnect from your culture so much when you move to the city like you don't oh. you don't have your whole family you don't have like the culture surrounding you so I can see how it's easy to like get lost in the city and like lose the ways that you had because you're not really connected to your culture
0: wow yeah That that makes a lot of sense and I wonder with growing up in so many different like in growing up within a village essentially right In in your aunties uncles grandparents you know cousins and all of that do you find it kind of like diversified your scope growing up too like you got to see kind of more opinions
1: and I grew up with like my parents point of view on things and then my grandparents point of view on things and, like, when I was younger, I didn't realize that my grandparents had like such an old school way of thinking of things, and like I didn't get why my mom didn't tell her certain things like there was this one time this is a terrible story, but there's this one time where, um, we had got caught stealing. Once and like <laughs> <my, laughs> <laughs> me and my friends, and or like one of them is my sister. Somebody who I call this is also something different. Like I call my first one of my first cousins sisters. Oh, and okay. like that's very normal. I view most of, like all of my first cousins as like brothers and sisters because we grew up in the same household or like one of the same households. Like we always stayed at mm. my grandparents. Cool. Anyways, <laughs> um, we, me, my sister, and this, my friend got caught stealing once in Zeller's when <laughs> Zeller's is a store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not dating ourselves at all here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody knows what dollars is, oh, but we can't be friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the Aussies listening are like, I have no idea what it is. Oh, yeah. it's like It's like, it was like Canadian Target, but not very good. <laughs> but anyway, so you guys, you guys got caught stealing something in Stellar's. Yeah.
1: And like, we, we, like, we all, we went to the police station and like, it was a whole thing. And we got banned from his elders. <laughs> Anyways, like I thought that, like I feel like my parents didn't, my parents were mad, obviously, mm-hmm. but they weren't like, it wasn't the end of the world sort of thing. Yeah. And then I had mentioned it to my grandparents at like a dinner once. And I forget why I said it. I said something about, like, oh yeah, I forgot. I, I was, maybe it was because I was grounded. And my grandparents asked why I was grounded and like my mom was just staring at me like she didn't want me to stay. <laughs> and then I'm yeah. like, I got caught stealing from his house. <laughs> 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 and my mom was just looking so disappointed at me. And my grand looked at her like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I feel like I spent more time with my grandparents. Maybe they were just trying to like save me a little because like they were really religious and I went to like a Bible conference before with them. Oh, (laughs) yeah. yeah, yeah. I went to like many things with them, church related. (laughs) I also went to Bible camp before which is oh crazy to think like that I'm native and I went to all those things. Yeah,
0: I was going to say like how do you how do you feel about that now that you're older?
1: I almost got kicked out of the Bible camp for <laughs> encouraging <laughs> smoking on campus. <ground. laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I feel like um before like when I was younger, I never learned about residential schools when I was in school right that I remember like I just remember learning about like the world war and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't recall learning about residential schools. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like the only First Nations related thing that I ha- had was First Nations art. I still don't remember the instructor being First Nations. Right. And I remember like in the First Nations First Nations art I did a piece and I did it a different color than what she wanted, mm-hmm. and then she was like, "You can't do that, that color." And I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> and no. she said that because uh, she wanted it like art, like in in Heisla, the main sort of colors are red and black. Okay, and that's what she wanted me to do. And then I was like, "Well." I want it this way because I like the way it looks. Yeah. And she said that I was going to get docked marks for that. And I was like, "Like, oh my gosh. I think you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm still going to do it my colors. You can dock my marks if you want.
0: I almost feel like it's like, who are they to say? I mean, for one, it's art. Two, like, you you are high school, So it's
1: just like. Uh, my whole story, my whole thing to that was like, I never learned about residential school. So like now looking back at me going to like Bible camp and like all these different church related Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. I think it's crazy to me. Like I feel like maybe I wouldn't have, but like also like my grandparents like own a church in the reservation, like my grandparents went to residential school and i feel like that's part mm-hmm. of the, like a big part of the reason why my grandfather um is very religious
0: oh yeah we should clarify that not everybody would know do you do you want me to explain it dana or do you want to say it
1: uh do you want to explain because like i feel like i don't want to say it and then I'm like what if i say like I, <laughs> this is like
0: yeah i'll say it no worries yeah Um, So for those of you who don't know, um, residential schools were put in place by the Canadian government and also the Catholic Church in an effort to um, assimilate um, Indigenous peoples in Canada. And so they were really horrible. Can I just quickly ask
2: what residential school is?
0: So the whole idea of residential schools in Canada first came from the French missionaries in 1620, and this idea didn't work out and didn't last long because no Indigenous parents wanted to send their children to these schools. But then from the 1830s to the 1880s, churches started to set up individual schools that were similar to residential schools, but not part of a residential school system necessarily. And it says the first schools created by the government of Canada were opened in 1883. And they, the
1: schools were designed to destroy Indigenous culture. It's, it's, if, people, if you research it, it's horrific what
0: happened. Um, children were tortured, um, sexually assaulted raped this is really scary with all of these atrocities going on within the residential school system um the last residential school closed down in canada in 1996
1: excuse me right i was only six years old that'd be that's so crazy yeah i was three yeah wow if um, just, yeah. you guys have, like, Prime, there's, like, this, uh, I, like, sort of documentary called We Were Children on there.
0: And it's about the residential school system?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And there's also this other one called Indian Horse that was... I've seen Indian seen- Horse. Yeah, that one is a really good one. I just got the book.
0: Yeah, by Richard Wagamese, right? Mm-hmm. He's um for listeners who don't know, he passed away somewhat recently, maybe a year or two ago if i remember right, but he's um an indigenous author and his stories mostly incorporate stories from his own culture but he seems to intertwine it with modern times as well. It's very cool. Just going off of talking about how strange it was for you to think about like how you went to all like these Bible conferences and schools and then, then you grow up later to find out about residential schools. I mean, what was it like for you to have that realization?
1: I feel like, like I was, uh, like I did all of that stuff with my grandparents. So like right now I don't really, like, I don't mind, but like, obviously I was like, when I find figured that out, Mm -hmm. I was just, like, it was just so crazy to me. But, like, when you look at, I just look at it in a different perspective. Like, I spent all those times with my grandparents. And, like, also, it's, like, just really sad because my grandfather went to residential school. And so, like, that's, like, where, that's where the Bible and stuff was pushed on them. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um... (laughs) There's a whole bunch of, like, tragic stories from residential schools, obviously, and my grandfather, like, when I talked to him, he was just, like, n- nothing bad, like, ever really happened to him, except for, obviously, he mm. got punished for speaking his language and stuff, mm. but, like, he, he was never, like raped or punished in a terrible way hmm. and he's just like he looks back at it and he like he was almost crying just thinking about like how he didn't even realize like what a bad thing oh residential school was because like when he was there he just thought like he didn't think it was bad wow But like he sees now mm-hmm. that it's bad obviously and he just thinks it's, he he just is sad that he didn't see Everything that was happening around him. Yeah.
0: That's horrible. But I mean, it's like when everybody there is a kid. How are you supposed to know? You know, especially yeah. I feel like when a religious authority is being used against them. Mm-hmm. To ask you too, what do you think are some things that you experience like being like a young indigenous woman that different from other people's? Like, is there any stuff that really sticks out to
1: you? Even in school, like, uh, I just have to work a little harder to, like, prove that I'm supposed to be there sort of thing. Right. But I also, like, sort of hate it sometimes. Like, I don't hate it, but, like, it gets annoying because, like, in one of my last schools, I was, like, the only First Nations person in the whole school. At that school, they, like, celebrated every, like, little holiday, like, Mm -hmm. random things, like, different cultural things, and they would do something for that culture, whatever holiday was but they didn't do anything for for like our holiday Mm -hmm. (laughs) which which was uh, and I pointed that out and they didn't like say anything I feel like I have to be more I guess like on guard with anything I do like even traveling Mm -hmm. um growing up like when you hear about like uh the missing and murdered women and like I'm from Kitimat and that's like along the Highway of Tears. Oh really? And like hearing a lot about that, like I feel like uh, it sort of like scares you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think maybe I should briefly explain to you for people who don't know, there is um a whole movement in Canada for the missing and murdered um, Indigenous women because on the Highway of Tears, which is a highway and Primarily probably northern BC, but I feel like it it comes up from the interior as well, right? Yeah. Along that highway, there's been a lot of women who have um never been seen again, never come home, or um, mm-hmm. they've been found murdered and the police, the RC and uh we have the Royal Canadian Mountain Police in Canada, the RCMP. Um they have not prioritized looking into these cases. And mm. um, this has been a really big thing that Indigenous peoples have been pushing for, especially with our government. And it's been very frustrating because our Canadian government right now is, likes to pretend they're acknowledging it, but they don't do enough to take action but yeah this has been like an ongoing thing since but do you think the highway of tears maybe started in the 70s
1: i sure. so, yeah yeah
0: and i mean it's still it's still a thing
1: and even like um, when you look at like i don't know if anybody's ever heard of uh robert Pickton. Mm-hmm. like there was numerous um women that were missing then and they didn't do anything for a long time and i forget how many women there were but there's a book on robert pickton called on the farm i feel like that was a good book to read because it talked about all the women and like their history and everything because i feel like um a lot of the women were like in the downtown east side so like i feel like they label them right away right yeah yeah they label them as something negative right away and they didn't like everybody came from everybody like has their own story it's not just like a negative story yeah so i feel like that was a good book because it talked about their whole history and everything and how they came from good families and everything obviously because i feel like a lot of people just don't think that
0: yeah absolutely and for those of you who don't know um robert willie picton is a canadian serial killer who was convicted in 2007 of the second degree murders of six women he was arrested in 2002 and he was the subject of a lengthy investigation that yielded evidence of numerous other murders. Uh, Picton was charged with the deaths of an additional 20 women. Many oh of, my God. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, many of them from Vancouver's downtown east side. And for those of you who don't know about uh, the downtown uh-huh. east side, um, <laughs> Dana and I both work in the area. Um It's it's a place where slumlords have taken advantage of a lot of people down on their luck. There's a lot of folks who live down there who um, are dealing with addiction. Some people are dealing with homelessness, amongst other things. It's really a place that has a lot of love, but also needs support. But sorry, just to... To finish off about Robert Pickton, um, he was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 25 years, and that's the longest sentence for murder under Canadian law at the time um, that he was sentenced. And during the trial's first day of jury evidence, the Crown stated that Picton had confessed to 49 murders to an undercover agent from the Office of Inspector General who was posing as a cellmate. Um, the Crown reported that Picton told the officer that he wanted to kill another woman to make it an even 50 and that he was oh caught. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And that he was caught because he was sloppy and he mainly targeted Indigenous women. So...
2: Hey, Chris, uh, what about... Should I ask some more questions so you can Google some more... Just... Some more terrible, terrible, terrible things.
0: things? <laughs> <laughs> you know... But it's reality, man. And the thing is, it's like, yeah. we don't talk about it. And like Dana was saying about residential schools in Canada. I mean, I remember briefly in social studies, which is like our history uh, classes, but a mention of the schools and that like, oh, it was bad. But I didn't, you know, like I'm taking the indigenous studies course on Coursera right now. And I mean, I didn't even realize that they had things like... There was one school that had an electric chair for children. Like, it's... Oh, my God. It is that bad. And one thing is I find that Canada really likes to <laughs> brush these things off
2: and say it wasn't me, you know? I would um, like to say that as someone who lives in Australia, mm-hmm. so does Australia. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing. There's, uh, we have our own share of just atrocities that we committed on the first nations people when we got here um and i learned about almost none of it at school and it's all been in the past couple of years two or three years that i've really started to learn all these things and i was like oh my god yeah but we just don't talk but there's like this one movie that we watch called rabbit proof fence um and that's the extent of the education we get at school i'm hoping it's changing now but yeah it's australia quite similar
1: (laughs) pretty trash when i was in like uh one of my last college courses it was a community mental health and addictions worker course and i remember like we were taking a first nations class and i was the only first nations person there and I left Burbank and I was coming back in and then there's this one girl in my class and she was like asking the other classmates why we're taking this class. And she like, she didn't see me walk in and she was like, she didn't get why we're taking this class. Like she felt like she didn't need to take this class. And then I spoke up and she, I just said that like, we never, like, I didn't learn about this in my own school mm-hmm. and going into this field, we're going to be like, working with a lot of first nations people Mm -hmm. and like it's better to know our history and like seeing what the first nations people have gone through and like the trauma that they've gone through that's like part of the reason why they are at the place that they are in life like i don't see why you wouldn't want to learn this and she still yeah. didn't really get it. And then I was like, well, maybe you should ask the instructor why you're taking this course. <laughs> and maybe ask yourself why you're taking this whole program. <laughs> and we have to realize like how privileged people are to have to learn that in class yes. and yeah. like not learn that in person. Like They didn't go yeah. through any of that. They are learning this in a class that they paid for. When we talk about... I've seen this other quote when it says like we have to like as much as you talk about like the trauma and all the things that First Nations people have gone through we should remember the resilience that people are going through because like I feel like there's so much growing that people have done and I don't know like I just feel like whole bunch like I feel like many people are just like growing so much and like also learning about our history and like teaching people about our history is so good it's so nice now that I know about the history so I can teach people about the history but like also show like we're not like a stereotypical like we shouldn't be based on a stereotypical image that other people put us in
0: right absolutely I think I think one of the coolest things I've been learning about too is like how many like indigenous like grassroots movements there's been in Canada in particular and the fact that they've shown up in Parliament and taken a stand and I I I think about the the resiliency and also the courage it takes to do that because how you, you know, obviously, as a white person, i can't I can't imagine or fathom having to s- stand up to just be taken seriously as a person, you know, like white oppressive powers are just doing their damnedest to stand in the way of, you know, other people's su- success, and especially in Canada of Indigenous people's success. It's it's awful. And it doesn't make sense because I think there's so much for people to learn from Indigenous peoples. Like I think what you were saying about how you grew up and you were supported by your whole family and all these different facets and that your cousins or your sisters, it's like I think globally and especially in North America, we need more community like that, you know? It's so individualistic, and I think there's cool things about um, individualism, but I don't think that's the whole pie. So, Dana, I also wanted to say that um, I know you're on the council for the Heisland Nation. That's very cool. And um, I, I'm really curious, like, what's the what was the process in you getting elected to be a counselor and an executive committee member? And also what does your job entail? The
1: whole process is like somebody puts your name forward and then somebody seconds it. Okay. And then that's that's my name on the list. But like, then you have to go through the whole um, band membership list voting on who, on who they would like as an elected member. And mine is for like the off reserve members. Um, Okay. Because there's like many members that are living in Vancouver. So they thought it would be beneficial for elected council to be like speaking, to be there on the table to be able to like speak up for the off-reserve members. That's so cool. I'm like a year and a bit in now. And I was just so nervous because like I'm a fairly quiet person, I guess, like in bigger settings so I was just very nervous thinking that like not many people maybe know me or like know my intentions and like my are like the my intentions coming into this and here are to like be able to like speak up um on behalf of members and to like be able to make sure that we're making decisions that are for the better of our community as a whole including people on the off reserve like we're all still a community in my sense the whole thing started was because like i was always asking questions during like meetings and stuff was just always interested in all the decisions that were being made basically
0: that's that's inc- that's incredible i that makes a lot of sense to me as well because people who are off reserve are going to have a different perspective on certain things and i think that's so important to raise these different ideas when you guys are pushing different things forward and it must be nice to feel heard when you're not there
1: and i also feel like um me putting my name forward like i'm hoping there's already like um one other person that's like will like younger than me so i feel like i feel like there's we should be like paving the way for more younger like more of the younger generation to be able to put their name
0: forward. What do you wish more people knew about indigenous peoples in Canada?
1: Um, I feel like just everything that we've been talking about basically. Okay. Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't know about residential schools and maybe if they do then they just know of what's been like said on social media right and like even one of my very close friends when I first met her like her view was very different she I remember her saying something like why are we still talking about residential schools Want to happened so long ago and she's my best oh. friend now she doesn't think that wow. anymore <laughs> but like Yay. I remember her. I remember going off on her <laughs> and like I don't know like just educating her on all the different things that happen at residential schools and also just talking about intergenerational trauma how it affects everybody like it affects me like it affects everybody that mm. grew up like People grew up in homes with alcoholism, and like my parents went, grew up with their parents in residential schools, and then they coped with it with alcoholism. So they weren't really parents to my parents. Right. So my parents, that's all my parents know. And then that's what they do with me growing up is like them being alcoholics, not really knowing how to like parent. me because like their parents never did the same thing and that's all from residential schools like that's all from trauma and people coping with the trauma that they've been through so it affects everybody in the long run and like it affects our generation just by seeing it and like I seen like another quote where it says healing starts when one of the family members like decide to start feeling it sort of thing like Mm. trauma ends when you want to start to heal from it basically yeah I also um used to drink a lot and like party a lot and do other stuff a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like uh, <laughs> I'm like uh, <laughs> um over like two years sober now so it's like a lot of working
0: that's amazing
1: um, that's really yeah. awesome <laughs> Congrats, I feel like it's a lot of working thank you It's a lot of working on myself and working on, like, stuff that I've gone through growing up. So, like, yeah, yeah, it only stops when you want to, like, start feeling everything that's happened.
0: And I can understand that's been scary. And we also have such a culture of escapism and how drinking and partying and doing all kinds of things can really be encouraged <laughs> you know like how hard is it to step away from that and be like oh my god I have to do this really hard fucking work
1: and it's like uh I feel like even that is a privilege because when you look mm. at like the people in the downtown east side like I have seen and try to help so many people like with their own decisions like we help people where they're at yeah. so like if somebody wants to like Go to treatment or something. Then there's like the treatment by Maine and Hastings, which is so close. Maybe they don't have family down there anymore, and then they have to go back to their home, which is like an SRO, probably single room occupancy. And then they're back to whatever their addictions was, yeah. because like with recovery, you need like a support system and a fam like family and friends and everything and not everybody has that. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, like that people can't like people maybe in the downtown, downtown East side or anywhere, they can't just quit and Mm -hmm. live a whole new life because like essentially I feel like you have to make sure that you have like friends outside of that addiction sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think a lot of
0: people, find friends within addiction
2: you know yeah it's, it's hard when it's like it's not just about addiction things it's like the whole world that you live in and your whole community and like the whole space if you're like have other people around and that's what you do and that's how you connected to then ask someone to go get rid of all of that like stop your addiction but also lose your whole community like your whole world view has to change like that's not an easy thing to just do
1: like if somebody wants to quit and move on like and they're like in the downtown east side you need money to like find a new place hopefully get a job like how easy is that for anybody
0: yeah I also think about too how Addiction is so tough because it's like you have like this finite moment of when, if this person is like, all right, I'm going to make the change. You also need the systems to work for you. And often when people want to get into treatment centers, if they do have the privilege of signing up, they're waiting. And so by the time they get in, they might be on a different cycle within their addiction again, and they're not going to want to start. And so it's, it's horrible. I like, I, I, I feel like with recovery, it's like, it almost should be treated like the ER of like, okay, this person is needs to go in. They go in now.
1: There's this one uh, first nations lady. And she was, uh, she talks a lot about first nations issues on her TikTok. And Mm -hmm. one of the comments was like, do all of you guys just like want to, complain and bitch and moan or something like that, something along those lines oh and then God. she responded with like a video and it was really like I. she was really well spoken answering it mm-hmm. like as politely as she could um, <laughs> <laughs> she said something about like we're we don't bitch and complain we are just finally like speaking up and we're not being quiet for anybody basically we're going to speak back and like stand up for ourselves. We're not just going to like sit back and stand still.
0: I I think about too, how people don't recognize their privilege and the fact that it's like, you feel free to go on and be an asshole, but then you're going like, I feel like they would expect for her response to be like eloquent and thought out and not reactive. Do you know what I mean? Because the, They Or they would want it to be reactive because it'd be like, oh, see, like, proves my point. And I also think, though, too, anger is really fucking justified and it doesn't matter. Like, she shouldn't have to feel compelled to find that kindness.
1: The things Mm -hmm. that we also learned in school was, like, a lot about our privilege. Hmm. Like, and I've Feel like I've tried to like um, we did a lot of presentations, obviously, in school, and a lot of the people in my class were like triggered all the time um. and would get maybe mad or annoyed or something. And like I get triggers in school and everything, but I made a like I just like made a comment saying like what a privilege it is to be able to walk out. But you're when you're in the field when you're working and like something triggering happens for you, Mm -hmm. you can't leave and tell the person that you're triggered, sort of thing. I don't know if I just went off on a whole different thing.
0: (laughs) But no, that absolutely makes sense, especially for the kind of work you do. If you're working primarily with different indigenous like (sighs) communities as well, that stuff comes up, and you're like. I'm dealing with my own trauma right now with your trauma, but you have to be the professional and take care of them before you can go and take care of yourself.
1: I feel like I have many books that everybody should read. Yeah, it's <laughs> like talks about um, Please. First Nations and First Nations history, and mm-hmm. one of them is um, 21 Things You may Not Know about the Indian Act. It's called Bo- It's from Bob Joseph. They didn't want potlucks and cultural ceremonies. They, they wanted that illegal.
0: Mm-hmm. And like. Do you mind explaining what the Indian Act is for those who don't know? a.k.a. me <laughs>
1: oh gosh do do
0: <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> Becky doesn't know she's in Australia they don't have it
1: <laughs> <laughs> the roots of the Indian Act lie in the Bob Saget report of 1844 that recommended that control over Indian matters be centralized that the children be sent to boarding schools away from their influence of their communities and culture that the Indians be encouraged to assume the European concept of free enterprise and that the land be individually owned under the Indian land registry system in which they could sell to each other, but not to non-Indians. The Bob Saget report provided the framework of the Indian Act in 1876.
0: Okay uh the british being like oh oh oh
2: well pretend i gotta say that sounds a bit similar to what australia wow it has done
0: oh my god again the english
2: (laughs) Ah. what a bunch of lads
0: oh man! but and and we still have the indian act in place in canada which i think is worth mentioning really yes Yes. Um, but there's also um, um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who is one of our prime ministers, and Jean Chrétien, who later was a prime minister. But they, um, I believe they tried to wipe out the Indian Act with something called the White Paper, which was also a horrible piece of legislation that they wanted to push forward. And then there were a bunch of indigenous activists who were like, no, do not change this. You already put something horrible in place, and we're going to try to correct what you've done, so don't shove something else that's worse and try to like sweep it under the rug. You need to acknowledge this that you have this in place, and we we need to change it.
1: I was gonna say one of the things on here like that I had highlighted when I was reading it. Mm-hmm. It says only males over the age of twenty three were allowed to vote. And it states Indian women were not given the right to vote in banned elections until 1951. And they always use the word Indian. I don't. Know, that triggers me so much. Ugh. And it triggers. I feel like uh, the word Indian doesn't. it Doesn't trigger everybody. Like I know. Like my grandparents always use that term, and mm. it, my, my mom uses that term once in a while. And, like, my grandparents, like, grew up listening to that term. So, right. Like, they don't see it, like, they don't see it as an, in, in a negative way. And my mom doesn't really see it in a negative way. Just, like, I see it in a negative way because, like, I grew up being bullied before, like, a lot of the times, like, and that word was used, like, in a negative way towards me.
0: I'm so sorry. Dina, I was wondering, uh... Do you have a favorite like Heisla phrase, story, or food? Like what's what's one of your favorite things from your culture?
1: Um, I feel like I grew up so privileged with seafood and I didn't grow I didn't appreciate it as much growing up. Like I feel like I didn't really like I like it and now I love it and I'm so far away that I like that I can't get as like I I remember in the summer I would have like salmon every day basically (laughs) if I was at like my grandparents' house and now I wish I can go back and have that and actually like appreciate that (laughs) and uh, I feel like one of my favorite foods um my favorite dishes to have is something called leachis And it's, like, fish soup, basically, with fish, potatoes, and those are the main ingredients that I remember and that I love. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, like, I feel like it's such an acquired taste if you like fish, because it's obviously very fishy, Mm -hmm. but it's so delicious. Also, another acquired taste is something that is called lukean grease, oh. and I hated that growing up. And like I, we have that with uh, like jarred salmon and seaweed, oh. chopped up seaweed and rice, and then you put lukean grease in it to mix it all up. And like before, I didn't really like it as a kid, and now I'm like adding so much to my dish and you also (laughs) add that you also add that to the soup as well oh what 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 does it taste like i don't even like know how to explain it is it like bitter it's a very strong strong taste and i feel like the different nations like around my community make it Mm -hmm. and like it can look really white Mm -hmm. and it can also look really yellow and I feel like like ours is white where I'm from Mm -hmm. and that's how it should look in my opinion (laughs) Um, like if, if my mom had some in her fridge before when I was home last time and then I was gonna add it to my soup and then I was like that is yellow is that? <laughs> and then, not to like hate on other people, but like, she told me that that wasn't that wasn't like our um, grease. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I'm not eating that. <laughs> <laughs> and it also has a specific smell, so like, I feel like I can tell when it's like not ours. Like, I feel like the the darker it is, it does not smell good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. And I feel like also growing up with my grandparents, they were fluent in Heisla. And I remember my grand or like in where I'm from, the ground my grandfather, we called him Baba. Yeah. So like he they spoke to me in Heisla once in a while to say like go get this or like are you okay or something like that yeah and like I would understand them when I was younger I remember like answering them but like I don't know how to speak Heisla, unfortunately and I feel like we don't have many people that are fluent in Heisla, and we're hoping to like to learn more in our generations because like if we don't have any more fluent ties of speakers than where like our whole language is gone except for like maybe what we have recorded. But a lot of people are trying to like we are trying to um we are all trying to learn our language more. I I
0: I hope I hope you guys all can, like for whoever wants to have access to that. I think something I've noticed from my course I've been doing is that I think it's really neat how certain nations, like their language, they'll have words that it's like, if you translate it into English, it would be sun, but it actually has so much more of a deeper meaning, you know, like, it's like, it's the morning light. And it also has to do with the spirit and the spirit and the morning light and things like that, where I'm just like, that is so beautiful. And we we don't have that in English. And I also think that's just something really good for other people to learn because I think first nations people just have this incredible connection to everything. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's the earth, it's, it's, it's the mountains, it's the water, it's the trees, it's the sky, it's the spirit of all those things. It's having, it's having a relation with everything. And I, I find to learn about that sort of stuff to be so um, grounding and really, really such a beautiful um, way to be. I think it's very, it's very cool.
1: The phrase that I'm like stuck with is when people say na'ai. Mm -hmm. it's like it's like somebody saying yeah right or something (laughs) or (laughs) or um minay is brother you can go on spotify and listen to this naughty nose residents i don't know if you've heard of them but they're from Kidamat and um they had a merch for a while that said minay oh they're really good um, and they grew up in Kitama and I always think it's so weird whenever I talk to somebody and then they're like, Oh, do you know the Snotty Nose Res kids? And I'm like, yeah. And they're just like, so yeah. like, fangirling over them. And I'm like, I grew up with like, <laughs> them. Like, it's so crazy, but also it's so nice that they have so much success right now. And That's
0: really good. <laughs> That's so cool. I recognize the name, but I like, I'm not familiar with their work. I'll have to i'll have to check them out
1: another one would be a movie called monkey beach and that was filmed in Kitimat, and that was also like by somebody from Kitimat as well okay cool um
0: last question um so what is one action step you would like listeners to take to support indigenous peoples and then sorry i said last question second last question if you can also just tell us what your favorite your what's your favorite way to get cozy at a slumber party um <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that the action there's that one course that you're talking about hmm. um that people can have access to because that's also a free course for right you yes now. yeah Do you know and for more information about that i had to saved it but i
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's called Indigenous Canada. Um, Honestly, if you also just search Dan Levy, Indigenous Canada, you will find that link. It's on Coursera.com. And um, the course is done by the University of Alberta. I think currently it's full, but I imagine they're going to have another round Mm -hmm. going through for the next semester. So yeah, that is one.
1: And I think they're just like looking, there's like many different books that people can read, like the 21 things that you didn't know about the Indian Act, and there's one called The National Crime, and that talks about the history. And I can just go on about all the different books.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll put some um in our because we do an Instagram post for the episode. I can put a list of some of the books that you recommend in there. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite way to get cozy at a slumber party? <laughs>
1: I think that I love um, lighting candles now. Mm -hmm. And I bought these curtain lights from Winners the Mm -hmm. other week that I'm obsessed with. They're really cute. And I'm also obsessed with hot chocolate, so... Oh my just God.
0: all of that yes yes <laughs> that sounds
1: amazing
0: um so happy that we had you on like seriously thank you so much for taking the time to do this like
1: i was very nervous
2: <laughs> you did great <laughs>
1: thank you thank
2: you so much dana for joining us this episode um let's go to a break and then you and me christina can have a bit of a of the wrap up
0: yeah we'll go to segments so yeah thanks so much for coming on
1: yay thanks for having me
0: yeah thanks so much dude
2: hey friends becky here just wondering if you're enjoying our sweet little slumber party podcast like maybe five stars of enjoyment you know
0: becky listeners can't respond to us in real time it's just you and me on zoom
2: I know, but I'm being engaging and inviting. Everyone, please ignore Christina's snide remarks. And if you like our show, pretty please think about giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can invite a friend to our slumber
0: party too. Whatever tickles your fancy. But if you don't like it, please keep that to yourself because our feelings are very delicate and therapy is really, really expensive.
2: Yep. I am made of glass. And now back to the podcast where we will say more words at you. Oh my gosh. We're back.
0: We're back. And Dana has left us, um,
2: what a gift she was. She was. We she was.
0: That was really, oh, that was really informative and um, fun and heavy. Um, so, Becky, you up? You feeling happy, sad,
2: scared, angry? I am up. And, look, I am, hmm, I feel like I'm feeling a little bit sad with some of the things I learned, um, although... It's it's one of those things where it's like I know that there's bad things but I don't know what they are and then when you find out what they are, you're like, oh, that's pretty shit. Um, But then also having said that, I feel pretty happy and like inspired and stuff by like just like the resilience and fight and all this stuff that Indigenous people shouldn't have to do like it's like it sucks that they have to go and fight and do like do all this stuff. But also it's so cool seeing this like strength and power and everything is just awesome. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah,
0: it is it is awesome. And I think it's also like echoes that especially like, you know, you and me being like white women, it's like we also really
2: have to step the fuck up and do some it's important to listen to like it's our voice is not the voice that needs to be amplified and that kind of thing but then also it is still important for us to speak up though because we have so much privilege behind us that we don't have to carry around this specific weight directly on our shoulders but if we can do what we can to like share some of that like take a bit away so it's not completely in someone else's hands to have to Deal with everything that they've had to go through. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think like when I say like step the fuck up, I mean actually to like leverage our privilege in assisting others and recognizing where our privilege lies. I also think you know when we were talking about addictions and whatnot, or talking about Vancouver's downtown east side because a lot of people pass judgment on that place. Maybe, maybe stop for a second, reflect and ask why, why do I have this opinion? Where is it coming from? And I mean, honestly, you know, like the easiest way to immediately support and make an impact is to put a donation through. So if you can find an organization and even just put in a couple bucks, if that's all you have, that's something. And then... Also, you know, look at, like, the local your local movements going on and um, see if there's a way you can get involved, you know? Yeah. Wow. Should we hippity-hoppity into uh, some segmentes?
2: Oh, my gosh. Let's do some segments. Okay. Wow.
0: Becky, do you have us something nice or something spice or a sugar rush?
2: I, this week, have a sugar rush, a.k.a. a favorite thing. A new favorite thing and that is because as some people might know we're heading into the holiday season um i found a video on tiktok that was a christmas craft and you can make these little beanies like little toques as you might say in canada you yes. can make these little winter hats um out of you get yarn and you get you can cut up a toilet roll like the cardboard ring and then you wrap the bits of yarn around it and then you tie it and you push it through into the whole thing and it makes these little tiny little like winter hat little beanie toque things and then um you uh, you can like put them on a string and make them into a garland or you can hang them as like little individual ornaments um like decorations and i've been making them like in, in the evenings, if I sit down to watch The Crown, which I have been all watching the mm. heck out of, oh, my God, I have so many opinions about Prince Charles. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, <laughs> I've been making these little winter hats and they're really cute and maybe I'll put a photo on our Instagram. Who knows? That's adorable. Yeah, because this is the first mm-hmm. year that like I'm living in a place where I can decorate for Christmas because, first of really? all, I'm not going home to south australia for christmas because of you know 2020 um yeah so i'm in my own space and i'm like i could there's no because before it's like what's the point in decorating if i go home halfway through november and then i'm home right. for all of december like it's not that much point me decorating where i live but also i've always had roommates and like it's never been my own space and now yeah. i have my own space and i can decorate it and i'm gonna be here for christmas um so i'm very excited
1: yay Oh, I'm
2: gonna go full so awesome. holiday, holiday time, you know.
1: Aww, yeah! I love
0: that. That is so sweet. Yeah,
1: it's
0: yeah, my, my sugar rush. I guess I kind of have a sugar rush too, because as soon as you Ooh. said um, you were watching The Crown, I was like, Ooh. Oh, my god.
1: Ooh. oh my god!
0: Actually, I'm gonna go two on for two shows. Okay, oh my gosh. Becky. Becky had brought them up to me many a year ago. Um. Oh my gosh. And I'm I so had excited. like watched their YouTube videos and I liked them. <laughs> but um Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. Oh my fuck gosh. Yeah. Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. Oh. On Netflix. Oh. oh morning brown. Morning brown. I love <laughs> I love some morning brown. <laughs> For first.
2: <laughs> Auntie Donna. Anyone who does those who may not know. Um, mm-hmm. a comedic, a comedy sketch group from Melbourne. In or like Victoria in um, Australia, yeah. and there's actually six of them who are part of it. But there are three guys who are like the faces, who are like the thing, and then there's the the music guy and the director and the like editor, filming person, like a writer, a director. Yeah, there's there's six oh, of okay. them, and they're all great and talented. Yes. Yeah there's it's
0: it's it's honestly if you like i was telling becky the other day i was like when i get sad i just go oh i'm gonna look up an auntie donna video because here's (laughs) the thing watch the netflix special if you enjoy absurd comedy and then when you are finished it you can be like oh my god they have all these videos on youtube and then hit Hmm. that up because it's there's so many it's never ending um but yeah it's just really been a treat to watch i've been loving it yeah.
2: and um i also watched the queen's gambit because who the fuck else <gasps> hasn't um i was gonna say i was i was hoping one of your recommendations was gonna be the queen's gambit which at this yeah. point i already feel like we're so behind talking about it now even though it's I very know. recent still but everyone has watched it and it is so good it's so good <gasps> it's so good i am like i know nothing about chess
0: but yeah, sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm watching this person play a lot of chess. I never,
2: <laughs> I never knew yeah. I could care. <laughs> well, like, the thing is, I did play chess when I was a oh, kid. Oh, really?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, and I hated it. <sighs> my brother played chess my brother was chess captain in year 12 um because he's a big of nerd haha <laughs> get wrecked James um <laughs> but we when I was a kid like we played chess and we used to have to go like after school to this place and like do chess lessons and stuff um yeah like a chess club thing and I used to hate it because I don't like having to think that hard and you have to do so right. many, like, imagining if you do this, then this can happen and this. And my brain gets lost in those pathways of things and I just get tired and don't really care. Um yeah. So I hated chess. But I can do the four-move checkmate. Um, nice. um I don't know if I still can now, actually, but I used to be able to. But I will brag. I've taken completely over your sugar rush. Um uh, <laughs> When I was a kid, we, like... Um, me and my brother, we learned how to play chess when we were like super, super young. We were like three or four or something. And we used to go yeah. to restaurants with the family, like my parents. And to keep us occupied at the table, they'd bring a chess board. And me and my brother would sit there and play chess. And the people would walk past and be like, Are those are you are your kids actually playing? And it was like, Yep. Our kids are so smart. They're playing chess at like four years old. Oh. Which is my true. Gosh. We used to learn chess really young. Uh, but that's crazy i hate it and i never want to play it but i will yeah. watch queen's gambit and that's the, i I thought that i was like ooh, a show about chess but then d- i saw it there was a tweet that was like chess plus sluts equals about time
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
2: yeah they really no, sexed you know up what? chess
0: they really really oh. sexed up chess because i was gonna say um the fashion in that show <gasps> oh oh my god oh. Outfits. oh my god oh my god the um the leading ladies clothes beth beth Harmon, oh, aka beth. anya taylor joy oh my oh. god what i wanted legend. even even her outfits that they're like oh this is shit i was like oh that's cute yeah <laughs> they're like trying to make
2: fun of her outfit saying she looks dorky and it's like she looks awesome though. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I was like, this isn't this isn't working for regular people. Maybe this is working for LA people. Um <laughs> <laughs> however <laughs> oh, it's like so um, I am in love with it. So yeah, just like yeah. enjoying some shows. And um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I was eating an apple cranberry crisp and um that is delighting me still.
2: Oh my gosh. And are you gonna have more yeah. after we finish recording?
0: For sure. I'm just like, am Good. I gonna make spaghetti for dinner? I don't know. It's kind of late now and I might just eat. I well, mean, might as well just
2: have to, might just have to have some more apple cranberry crisp. Hell yeah. Have you been uh, oh, I was gonna ask, have you been watching The Crown?
0: No, I'm so behind, but I know I ah. should be watching it because I want to watch it because it's the the Princess Diana one. Maybe that's
2: what I'll start tonight. Yeah, well, there's going to be two Princess Diana seasons, which I didn't fully realize, but oh. there's, like, a second one. There's Because the, the next season now, after this one that's just come out, is that they're all going to go up in age again. Oh, my God. Um, So they're getting, <sighs> there's a whole set of new actors again after this season. God damn. Um, and so they're going to have, like, a slightly older Diana and, like, I think Imelda Staunton is playing the Queen and Jonathan Price is playing Philip. It's a whole thing. Wow! Um, but basically <laughs> I remember I was watching it and then I was wondering if my friend Joey was watching and then like within 10 minutes she happened to randomly text me and she was like, oh, my God, so I'm watching The Crown. And I was like, okay, good, 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 good. And I got texted <laughs> her the next day going, I'm going to start the Prince Charles hate club because um, <laughs> uh, we all hate Prince Charles. But also, I just hate yeah. the royal family in general. After watching that season, wow. my god, it's you look. You think about Harry and Meghan leaving. You're like, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, yeah. It, I think about oh that my stuff god. a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Just lunacy.
0: I feel like I've realized I've said on the podcast that like I was gonna be in quarantine, and then I've not been in quarantine because my partner's been staying. In oh, yeah. America, longer because of things. Mm-hmm. So, but he's gonna be back uh, early mid December, and um, my time is limited to watch The Crown. So,
2: no, oh, you gotta so get I've got on a chore. I do, I do. Yes, next that. week I'm gonna ask you to keep me up to let me know where you're up to. Oh jeez, this is, this is
0: podcast homework.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm giving you homework, got- babe.
0: Damn. Okay, mm-hmm. well, with that, maybe we should uh, get into sleepy-weepy
2: time. And, sleepy-weepy um, time. I'll, uh, I'll update you guys on my crab watching next week. Yes. Okay. There's a train going past my window. Mm. Perhaps as as a signal to say farewell to this episode. Farewell to you all. Yes. Thank okay. you. And once again, well, thank you to Dana. You're a thank living you legend. so much. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much to Dana. Oh my gosh. That was, that was an awesome, awesome interview. Can't thank her enough. Seriously. And, um, thank you all, all you Ingrids for listening. All you Ingrid.
2: All of you. Thank you, Ingrid. We love you. (laughs) Have a good sleep.
1: Okay. Have a good sleep. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: We're so happy you took the time to get comfy with us. And if you could hit that subscribe button, that would be absolutely dreamy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or...